Hello, this is Chip Stewart. It's Sunday, October 1st, 2023, and welcome back to the Worthy of C podcast. I want to let you know that you can always look at the show notes. Normally, I will put in at least some of the scriptures that I, that I reference and also the email address for this podcast. It's worthyofcpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, each one of the words is separated by a period or, or a dot. So again, worthy is he podcast at gmail.com. Uh, each of those worthy is he and podcast all separated by a, a period. Um, I also encourage you to go back and listen to previous episodes of this podcast. Um, I only started in January of this year. Um, we're up to, I think this is number 39. And they are, in, in most cases, standalone teachings. There is kind of a progression to them, if you will. Uh, but these episodes, this podcast is not meant to be something that is for the specific time. Uh, I don't really address current events or anything like that. What I, my my intent is to communicate God's truth uh, that he gives to us through his word. And so it should be something that could be listened to 10, 50 years ago, 10 or 50 years in the future, something like that, and still be relevant. So I encourage you to go back to previous teachings and, and listen to those and love to hear your feedback at the email address that I told you about. So for, for this particular episode, um, I want to address the phrase that's used from time to time called uh, that, that it, uh, it People will say, I'm born this way, or they are born that way. Um, you know, we use this when really it comes to a certain type of sin, and I think more in particular uh, sexual sin, when people use this to claim, well, I'm born this way, or, or they were born that way. That's why they are, they are exhibiting this particular behavior. And, and when I really sit back and I, and I consider this phrase, I think it's actually accurate. I, I think it's true. I, I tend to agree with it. And I'm sure, you know, a lot of you out there are, are now going, uh, Chip, are you okay? How, how can you be saying this? Uh, are you kidding me? Um, well, I, I think it, it's actually absolutely true when you, when you correctly look at the scriptures. And so why, why do I say this? Well, when, when you look at what God has revealed to us and, and our nature and our history and how we are spiritually, you will see that we are all born in sin. And the way that sin manifests itself in each one of us can, can differ greatly. So some, some people are liars, some are murderers, some are fornicators, some homosexuals, some thieves, some adulterers, some are drunkards, some revilers. I had sin in my life that manifested itself before I came to Christ. But I think the, the, the bottom line is that we are all born sinners. So yes, we are born that way. We are born sinners and alienated from God. So this reality that we are born in sin is what I believe the very reason that Jesus tells us we must be born again from above and why he came, why the Father sent him to die on the cross to save us from this abominable condition, this terrible condition that we find ourselves in. Because there's nothing that we can do 
any sort of good works, any, anything to strive for that we can do to make ourselves righteous, to, to overcome this problem. The only thing that we can do is repent and accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That is the only way we can be saved from this abominable condition. That's through Jesus Christ himself. So let me show you this in the scriptures. So first, we are born in sin due to Adam's transgression in the Garden of Eden. And what you'll find is, as I go through these, I'm relying heavily on the book of Romans. And it'll be, it'll be taken from different chapters in different orders and, and things like that. Um, I encourage you to go and, and read the entire letter uh, that Paul wrote to the Romans on your own. So you get the full counsel of God through what he has written there. Because it is really addressing this nature throughout this letter that he wrote. So he describes here in, in chapter 5 of Romans, starting in verse 12, how... Uh, he looks at our fallen nature due to Adam's transgression. So here it says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and he's talking about Adam, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who is a type of the one who is to come. So a type of the one who is to come, the one who is to come is, is Jesus Christ. And I, I think this statement here, um, sin is not counted where there is no law. That can be, that would be kind of confusing. Let me go to Romans chapter 2, verses 12 through 16 to see that, that all really have sinned, even if they're not under the law. So starting uh, again, chapter 2, verse 12, For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. For when Gentiles, so this is where, where it's addressing this issue, for when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. And talking about not have the law, the law of Moses, the law God gave um, through, uh, through Moses in Sinai. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. So they are also born in sin. They are sinners. It may not be the law of Moses, but it's that law that's written on their hearts that they are violating. When we turn to the Psalms, particularly Psalm 51 that David wrote, he here confesses how he, he, he acknowledges how he was born with a sin nature. So I'm going to read the entire Psalm so you have the whole context. And I think there's a lot of, a lot of wisdom uh, here within the entire Psalm. And I, I don't want you to, to miss out on that. So here, David cries out, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. He understands his sinfulness and he is turning to God to, to take care of that, to cleanse him of his unrighteousness. Verse 3, for, now, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. 
So this is the verse that I want to focus on to show how he, he acknowledges that he was born with this sin nature. He was born a sinful man. And don't misinterpret that like, like his mother had some sort of illicit affair or something like that, what the meaning of this is that he, he was brought forth in iniquity and that in sin he came into the world. He, he had that as he, um, as, he, as he was born. And then um, moving to verse 6, Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifice of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your, in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then, then will you delight in right sacrifices and burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bowls will be offered on your altar. So David is, is acknowledging his sinful nature and is turning to God to cleanse him. The Word of God also declares that not a single one of us are righteous. This can be found in Romans chapter 3, um, verses 10 through 18, which are taken from the Psalms. It is, as it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongue to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And then turning back to Romans, it tells us, here Paul tells us, that we have no excuse and fall under the righteous judgment of God who will show no partiality when he meets out his wrath. So this is Romans chapter 2 starting verse 1. And I, I recommend you go back and read Romans chapter 1, starting uh, verse 18 through 32 to get a little bit more context for this. But here Paul says, Therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? This is key. God's kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. Repent and accept Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Verse 5, But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek. 
but glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek, for God shows no partiality. So we have no excuse for our unrighteousness. And then, and then because of this, it's only through the power of Jesus Christ that this situation we find ourselves, this way we're born, this is the only way it can be resolved. So when we turn to Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 15, But the free gift is not like the trespass, for if many die through one man's trespass, referring to Adam, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through the one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification of life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that, as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So it's through Him and Him alone that this situation can be resolved. And then since we are born this way in sin and with this sinful nature, Jesus, in his conversation with Nicodemus, declared that we must be born again, and we're born again from above. John chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, 
lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that may, it, may, it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. And our, and our righteousness, the righteousness that's given to us from God, comes through our faith in Christ. So Romans chapter 3, starting in verse 21, But now the righteousness of God has been manifest apart from the law. Sorry, let me back up. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. It is all about faith in Jesus. And now that we have accepted, once we've accepted him as our Savior, we've repented of our sins and accepted him as Savior, we walk in a newness of life. We're set free from sin, so we should not let sin reign in our mortal bodies. And it, it, and it makes me wonder if these people who continue to walk in sin yet claim the name of Christ have invented a different Christ and are following that different Christ. So let's, let's turn to Romans 6, starting in verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And I think that also alludes to being born again. You have a newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For God will have no for correction, for sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. So we were once slaves of sin, yet we have been free from sin. We were slaves of sin, and now instead we are slaves of righteousness. And once we become slaves of righteousness, we should bear the fruit of obedience to this righteousness and not continue in a pattern of sin. Let's now turn to Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 15. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, 
or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you were, for just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and a lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So in conclusion, hopefully this has made it clear that yes, we are born this way. We are born as slaves to sin, which manifests itself in manifold ways. But it is only through repentance and belief in the name of the only one who can save, Jesus Christ, where we are born again from on high, and we ask him to cleanse us of all our unrighteousness and to give us a pure heart. So if you find yourself beset with sin, if you find yourself in this situation, cry out to the Lord for deliverance from that sin, and he will do so. Why do I say this? Well, Romans chapter 10, verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. Amen.